time of Reagan, and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. So, Casey, Mm -hmm. would you say that Christmas has come a little bit early? (laughs) I just want to know, if this is a present to our podcast, La Vista Baby fans, should we apologize in advance? I'm not sure. No, I I think that we should stand back and wait for applause. (laughs) That we've finally gotten to 1996's Jingle All the Way. You thought it was never going to happen. No, no. I mean, it was inevitably going to happen. We just didn't know when. But now we're getting into the holiday season because I believe that it starts in August now. And (laughs) we're recording this on June 31st. That you can go into any retail establishment and have both, you know, black and orange Halloween and um, red and green Christmas standing side by side now. I always thought that Halloween was a firewall, but it's not. Oh, it has yeah. broken through. This is the zombies have gotten into the building, <laughs> and we cannot. We have to abandon. Um, but yeah, I think that we're kind of this you know, Halloween is just going to be a Tim Burtony season from now on. It's fine. It's fine by me. So jingle all the way. The Arnold Christmas movie. Yes. Not an not an Arnold Schwarzenegger helmed Christmas movie, but an Arnold Christmas movie mm, directed mm-hmm. by Brian Levant, who is the visionary director behind <laughs> Beethoven. <laughs> Problem Child 2, The Flintstones, and Snow Dogs. Uh, and don't forget Viva Rock Vegas. Yes. Oh, Fuck that one up, but it's still I forget? Viva Rock Vegas. And a screenplay by Randy Cornfield with a K. So I assume that the <laughs> band is named after him. Um, and he mostly just did a bunch of uh, television movies that I'd never heard of. But I mean, this movie was produced by Chris Columbus, but everything about the opening of this movie, the soundtrack, the lighting and the characters makes it look like it is Chris Columbus just disavowed this movie and handed it over to another guy in the middle of it. <laughs> so to join us on uh, this uh, journey through the holiday season uh, <laughs> is a friend of the show, librarian, and somebody for whom this movie holds a special place in their heart oh welcome back <laughs> kit to forge thank you very much i do try to keep jingle all the way in my heart all times of the year um but as far as far as the idea of it being a gift i think that we should view this as the uh footy pajamas of christmas and arnold films because some folks they're desperate for those i mean the trend is back for others i mean maybe you look like a dork but Boy, is it going to be cozy. I mean, there's a time and a place for footy pajamas, and we constantly have to ask, is Jingle All the Way in the right time, in the right place? I simply don't know. <laughs> Perhaps you can it help It lives me. in our hearts, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just like Santa's you love. You keep jingling the way in your way, and I'll keep it in mine. <laughs> so, Kit, I know that you have a history with this movie. You've talked about it a little bit before. So, what is your history with Jingle All the Way? So... My my papa is one of those uh, Griswold kind of Christmas guys, you know, like a National Lampoon Griswold in case folks aren't there. Um, 
he is one of the most festive human beings ever to jingle onto this planet. It doesn't matter what season. It doesn't matter what holiday. My dad would be the guy that would be like, sit down. It's Arbor Day. We're going to watch. You know, <laughs> it's any excuse he can to get in the spirit with other people. Um, it, it typically takes the form of movies. My dad has so many clamshell VHSs of like Christmas movies that he insists every single year you must watch. And I think from the time this movie came out, I was painfully aware that Christmas movies were held in this separate place from film in general where quality doesn't matter. Check mm -hmm. your expectations at the door. Check your standards at the door <laughs> and get ready for the same 20 songs. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just because, you know, you it, it is a genre of its own. Um, and in that sense... Every single Christmas, I have watched this with my father, along with the terrible Jim Carrey uh, Grinch, you know, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh, my God. Like, anything that has the word Christmas in the title, we will watch it every single year. And even now at 33, I look toward Christmas with this mindset of, like, I don't care about the quality of the film. I care about how excited my dad is. Oh. But in particular, I remember going out with him and my sisters to go see this movie because we have a yearly Christmas movie. And he came out of that just like acting like like a Belushi was reborn or something. This is so funny. And very much, you know, I'd do that for any of you kids, right? You know, I'd do that for any of you. And, Hopefully not the first half of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> my my dad actually did hold like three jobs when I was young, and it meant we didn't get a whole lot of time with him. So it's weird to see your father cry and jingle all, all the way. He still does. And oh, I, kind wow. of, I kind of love that he does, though. Like, it hit him somewhere, and I guess, like, by tangentially, it makes me think of him feeling something from what I know to be a not-so-great movie <laughs> outside of the Christmas canon, Man, of, of, the, of the spectrum yeah. of negligent fathers in cinema, uh, Howard Langston is not anywhere near the top of them at all. <laughs> he, gets, he feels bad because he yells at his kid over the phone because he's impatient, and that's it. He's like, oh, I'm a horrible father. And Anakin serves him on the phone, too. My <laughs> lord. It's like, what, six- or seven-year-old kid or something? Just be like, no, no, no. And it's funny to watch a guy that huge just total hangdog expression it, it, <laughs> this whole movie is this exercise in truly believing that like being being this big powerful beast is not it does not shield you from the power of love yeah. you know <laughs> so. So, so kid if you had to sum up the plot a synopsis to jingle all the way in like a paragraph or two what is this movie all about ah uh, this is a fantastic meditation on the horrors of capitalist realism <laughs> um it's it's about your uh average working father plot wherein you're trying to support and care for your family um but we we know when christmas is coming every single year it's not a surprise but um, as the real world marches on, we sometimes lose sight of what's important to the people around us. And in Howard's case, it is 
this desire of his son to have the tickle me Elmo of Marvel looking action figures, mm-hmm. um, which Turbo is Man. Turbo Man. That's right. Mm-hmm. Occasionally called Turtle Man by the great <laughs> Sinbad, which is a whole nother You know subject. it's the 90s if it's Sinbad. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just one of those like crash bang rat race running kind of movies about trying to get this desirable heavily marketed toy for your child to prove how much you love that child um and i i think it carries a strange kind of weight as you get older and children enter your lives because you will do things you know to be stupid and crazy to show them that you love them so maybe this is a little squishy of me but i I think it's funny to watch it as I'm older and go, you know what? I think I would do that for my sister's kids, you know, even though you know better as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> you you would break into a neighbor's house and, <laughs> I mean, and nearly steal a toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Maybe you'd punch a reindeer. Yeah, it's excessive lengths. Um, it, it's about going to excessive lengths for the people that you love. Um, common sense be damned. <laughs> I'm glad That's true because it's not just Arnold who goes to excessive yeah. lengths. It's, Everyone in this movie, yeah. it's it like you mentioned, it is kind of a capitalist nightmare. Yeah. It's the <laughs> the crazed consumerism of the holiday kind of turning everyone into 28 days later rage zombies. <laughs> yes. Um and you mentioned Tickle Me Elmo, but I think that was very much what this was based on. I think Cabbage Patch Kids had come out uh, maybe a decade or and a half earlier, yeah. but occasionally you get a holiday season that has the toy and you get into like people getting trampled at Walmart and Tickle Me Elmo was the doll of the year this movie came out. I mean, we may f- we forget in our current age of Black Fridays that uh, people being trampled trying to get in to buy Christmas presents wasn't like a yearly occurrence. But back in 1996, I think it was like a pretty novel idea of people I, being yeah. stomped on going into a store. This was an invention. I mean, it's like this behavior was an invention and it it happened with Furby. It happened with Tickle Me Elmo. It's like it every subsequent year they tried to find the thing and marketed it in such a way, you know, as I'm sure we all grew up with, you know, TV shows, fruit snacks. I think you see cereal in this movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. they do that well because that's how it's done. Turbo right. Man, the motion picture. Right. Yes, there you go. I love that it uses the <laughs> phrase the motion picture. There's a weight to that. But yeah, I... I think what I really kind of find interesting is that there's so many 90s things coming together in this particular moment of how we saw Christmas. One of them is the sort of people even dying while trying to fight over plastic toys at a store that there Mm -hmm. needs to be. I mean, somebody just got stabbed at a Popeye's the other day because somebody cut in line in front of them to get a chicken sandwich. And I mean... I love chicken sandwiches. I love fried chicken in general, but there needs to be a maximum temperature with which you approach this. Also, there's a practical level where if you commit murder, nobody's getting a chicken sandwich. And you know, I I was thinking about this a lot during the movie about that whole like 90s moment, or mindset rather. Uh, I was trying to remember whether eBay existed at this point in time because the internet has to some degree changed some of this type of scurry for these particularly hyped things of course keeping with the idea that yeah it's now twice the price yeah and uh szechuan sauce yeah (laughs) the same kind of thing it's just it's it's sauce we all decided to act crazy over 
sauce. And then people go on the internet. You can still find them. People trying to sell $500 packets of sauce. You go to a remote warehouse where, you know, you deal with a criminal element to get. It's like you have to sort of have this moment where you step back and just go, what am I doing? This is this is insane. The the level the the people in this movie there's a bit where they full on attack a toy store mm-hmm. where people are getting thrown through displays, people are crashing through things. Um they're so rabid that to get this limited amount of Turbo Man action figures and they were going to do some sort of a lottery system with on Super Bowls would have mm-hmm. numbers written on them that the people who work at the store just throw them up in the air and we create like a shark feeding frenzy of human beings <laughs> fighting over this stuff. Uh, people are attacking each other. Arnold's hand is bitten by a woman. Yes. <laughs> and he drops the, the rubber balls he has in his hand. Sinbad pepper sprays him. Pepper spray. <laughs> that it's there's also the the other nineties bit that was coming into it, which is the trope of the disgruntled postal worker. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you remember Pop- that? Yeah. yeah. Serve like any sort of uh well also the retail worker or workers, public servants and retail workers, there is some kind of humorous again, as an adult looking at this going like, Wow, this is a lot of weird class warfare stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, people attacking each other, people attacking their own over this weird hype machine machine and i gotta say uh sinbad has some solid points in this movie yeah well sinbad does when you meet his character he's in line with arnold schwarzenegger trying to get this toy on christmas eve and he he has a rant that is probably like straight out of Infowars. It's like, <laughs> don't you realize that the you know the powerful toy cartels, powerful toy cartels, are billions of dollars of advertising to beam it into your children's heads, and they make you feel like crash if you can't get it. it makes your kid feel like crap if they don't have it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, he's there's there's parts of him that are unhinged, but he's not totally wrong. <laughs> That's the scary part. Yeah, well, and mean, the funny part is is that you, that in retrospect now we know that a large part of they allowed Sinbad to do a lot of improv and so probably a lot of that was just he, him just just channeling in the culture yeah and being like i'm gonna be a raving madman about toys well here it is i mean this is like the, the the riffing too there's a reference to rodney king when yes. other shoppers <laughs> are grabbing him and attacking him uh-huh it's crazy there's also a jesse jack or jesse yeah. jackson reference in one of those rants in particular true. he does bring up the class and race divide with arnold which yeah. is something i did not expect this movie <laughs> yeah. to do because Arnold lives in a giant fucking house like a lot of people who had that sort of John Hughesian kind of suburban existence where I'm like, I'm never going to own that. It's a uh, jingle all the woke. Yeah, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprisingly woke, allowing him to do that improv there. But uh, it can- should be said, though, that this movie is also takes place in Minnesota, of all places, yeah. yes. which is not where I expect Arnold to ever be in a movie. Yeah. I've got to say, I think I know why it's in Minnesota. I think it's because of the Mall of America yeah. set, which yeah. I think must have been brand new, because I know the first episode of WCW Nitro was filmed there, so that Hulk Hogan <laughs> could hawk his Pasta Mania restaurant sure. in the Mall of America. you got to have that commercial like, synergy going on, well, but I think that's probably There was what- a Planet Hollywood in the Mall of America. So that was There's probably a part of his decision, too. Oh, okay. The weird they didn't show it, though. But then there would have been an Arnold Schwarzenegger. If, if Planet Hollywood exists in the universe of Jingle All the Way, that means there's a separate Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Okay, but also funny Arnold Easter egg. Did anybody notice with hit with Chamie's room? Um, <laughs> Jamie. Chamie's room had all these Marvel things up and yeah. what yeah. have you, but there is this lingering shot where he's talking to his son and there is this like Hulk mask in the back. And yes. I'm just sitting oh, here yeah. going, Lou Ferrigno. No, yeah. It's hanging there like it's a prop that you'd have to take on you when you go on the purge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this incredible Jack Kirby, Captain America wall art behind yeah. Jamie's bed. And I'm like, I am a 40 year old man and I'm suddenly jealous of something in a nine year old's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, so something tells me that like this isn't the first mm-hmm. occasion that he has overcompensated for his absence right. yeah. with that right. wall. I'm like, wow. Oh my, it, I've noticed that the way that Arnold, and we, can we just say that he's kind of a shitty dad in a lot of this movie? Um, he kind of talks to his son the way that a unrepentant gambler talks to their bookie. <laughs> He's like, come on, man, come on. I know I fucked up in the past. I know, I know what I'm good this time. This is going to pan out, I promise. And he just keeps getting other chances out of this kid. And you're just like, you just hear this like Harry Chapin song playing in the background. <laughs> and because you you know, and then even the, the little thing, and this is what I actually kind of like about the writing is you notice every catchphrase of Turbo Man is a thing that Arnold's character fails at. Like, you can always count on me or always keep your promises if you want to keep your friends. Friends. And it's like, they are specifically things that his character is shitty at. (laughs) And that he doesn't show up to his, like, I almost said karate recital, but it's he's, that's what recital. It is. <laughs> but he's getting his new belt, and I had karate as a kid. I don't know if you guys took karate no. at all. I wish. Oh my um, gosh, I didn't take it for very long, but. I'm trying to figure out if there's a did you stand- get the, did you get the purple belt? I certainly did not. <laughs> oh. um, but that's what I was going to ask. Is there a standardized color order for karate belt levels from somebody? There's got to be a listener to the show who knows karate. I think so. <laughs> but I remember when I I think I made only two or three belts in the entire time I did. White belt is the first one. That seems to be standard. White and then black at the end. Mm-hmm. But I remembered it was something for me when I took it was like white yellow, orange, green, and you get to like red and then brown and then black. And there's like blue and purple. Those are higher ones. There's a general sense that the darker the color is, the more uh, it's closer to black. So it's it's higher. It's more advanced. But in this movie, he's going from yellow to purple and he says he's already had blue. And then and I'm like trying to figure this out because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there is no standard for this maybe that every karate dojo is completely different for how they i mean or people who write screenplays just do not do any research i'm (laughs) guessing that's another possibility just wanted maybe it's it is hilarious to hear arnold schwarzenegger say the word purple purple (laughs) there's that's a thing weird cringy racist yeah (laughs) it's the 90s 90s. yeah he does a he does gets a crane kick with some some bruce lee vocalizations which i could probably have done without (laughs) but yeah it's it's just a a recognition that wow a lot happens in 25 years yeah oh my gosh so we we haven't made mention of the fact that uh, uh that arnold's family um his wife is rita wilson who is uh he has a she has a very famous Hollywood spouse. Oh yeah, Tom Hanks. And uh the son is none other than Anakin Skywalker. The first Anakin Skywalker, yes. Jake Lloyd, who the internet bullied into into retiring from uh <laughs> uh into 
from acting because we're fucking monsters. And apparently has a strong affection for roles with like pan Asian garments. Yeah. Oh know? my oh, god. Well, yeah, he's wearing a lot this. of gi. That's, yeah. That is correct. <laughs> yes. But yeah, his job is to be a disappointed moppet in this movie yeah. where he just gets so excited only to be let down by Arnold again and again. And also, he, he does fine. He does a fine job, I would yeah. say. It's fine. I gotta say, if I was gonna be a child actor who only is really well known for two movies and one of them is a Star Wars movie and the other one is an Arnold movie, that's not bad. <laughs> not not bad for a career that young. It's uh I I was also thinking on the fact that um as nineties moments go and mm-hmm. things like that, we were also really starting to have this whole um kids run the show. I don't want to say renaissance, but like <laughs> cultural change. The no- Nickelodeon kid power thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right around this time, too. And so I found sitting and watching it, like I, I grew up with a you know more strict religious family, although you know my, my dad helped me bend some rules here and there with action movies and whatnot. But I still found myself as an adult going, oh my gosh, how is this child talking to his parent? And watching it as <laughs> oh a child, God. I was sitting here going, this child is spoiled, even though I should be able to relate to the whole, your dad is too busy. Okay, boomer. Sort of, yeah, sort of <laughs> element that I was just kind of like, my Lord, this child is spoiled. And then I watch it at 33 and I still go like, this is it. This was the time when kids started calling shots yeah for a lot of families that were that were pressed by these kind of jobs that it's like you're putting you know on paper it says 40 hours in reality you're doing 60 mm-hmm. and then these toy crazes would happen around that time too where it's like this is your chance this is your chance as a parent to kind of show that you really listen to your kid. Yeah, Christmas is a form of Lent. Yeah. It's like, I can be shitty the rest of the time, but I have this narrow window where I can undo all of that and make myself anew. And how sad that is, you know? Yeah. And then you have to do it through through commercialism. Yeah. I think, though, uh, you could draw the... Of course, they were trying to draw the parallel of busy parents needs to make up for it. But, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not playing a guy who has to spend too much time, like, mopping the halls. He's owning his own business and being the boss. Yes. Essentially. So, I mean, you're far enough along in Arnold's career that if he's going to be a regular Joe guy, he needs to sort of represent a side of the Republican Arnold that we know of, of being a very successful businessman. So, the reason why he is neglecting his child and his wife isn't because he has to work three jobs because he has unskilled labor. It's because, you see, he's a really hyperactive like a workaholic yeah, he's, he's yeah. a workaholic business owner who cannot stop calling his customers on the phone or taking calls of his customers on the phone so in that respect like he's kind of outside of the at least in that part outside of the experience of most people because he is he can choose his hours to a certain degree yeah, he's he's the boss he, like he, he doesn't have to be there it's an addiction to ambition. Everyone outside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other people in his company are literally having a party in the next room. Yeah. That looks like it was designed by Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's still calling customers on the phone. And even his secretary is telling him he should have left to go to the karate, karate recital uh, 30 minutes ago. And I, I'm I'm thinking about this whole modern Scrooge trope, too, in these Christmas movies and how I wasn't sure if they're trying to sell me this soulless mattress salesman or if this was something else, because other than a couple of things that could be stress related, it didn't seem to me as though he lacked enthusiasm for the holiday, being super weird about being the one to put the star on top or things like that. So 
it's it's kind of funny with Christmas movies. Usually you have this whole, I need to learn a lesson about the spirit of Christmas. And I kind of don't know for sure whether that happened in this movie. Yeah, I think he kind of got away with it, that he never really had the full arc. I mean, he went through hell to try to make up for his own mistake. <laughs> because remember, his wife tells him he should have bought this thing. Because he lies to everyone except his customers, evidently. Where yeah, my <laughs> Lord, he lies a lot. Except for the you're my favorite customer. He's you're lying my favorite. Oh my God, that's yeah. a lie too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. How it's does he all keep unraveling. You're my number one customer. <laughs> oh, and he accidentally says it to his wife too. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's not true for anybody. Not even his wife. Okay, so I can't let this discussion go further and not talk about the B-plot of this movie. So the B-plot of this movie <gasps> yes. is... Um, Entirely about Phil Hartman as his neighbor. This is peak. the late great yes. Phil Hartman. This is peak Phil Hartman. Ninety six is at the top mm -hmm. of Phil Hartman trying to cock Arnold Schwarzenegger with Tom Hanks's wife. So, Hi, I'm Troy McClure, and I'm here to bone your wife. <laughs> yeah, what is this dude's game? Because it is such a strange thing to include in a family holiday is, movie that he is obviously boning all of the women in the neighborhood already. Is, it's it's such a weird character because he's a cross between. Uh, Ned Flanders and Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> this, like on one level, we've got this movie that is like nice guys versus chads. Yeah. <laughs> kind of oh my God. Where it's like, here I am. Oh, I'm chads. being the man that, you know, you deserve. But there's still very obviously this weird flavor of it being an act, you know, shown by him like screaming at the kids the minute that uh, Arnold's wife is out of the room. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I couldn't stop laughing watching the parts where he comes on because you have this like Midwestern mama thirst, like you were saying. <laughs> and I can't get over like, he has, like what a is regular Karen harem. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's funny that like you look at Phil Hartman, he's not particularly unattractive, but he's also not, Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> but this this whole like here's here's uh what women want behavior. Yeah, sort he's of things, he's made supposedly. up for the fact that he's not a Adonis by the fact that he's extremely helpful and resourceful, right? Which yeah. is something apparently that housewives treasure, right? As someone who can take the burden off of them. And so it has like he has like the joke of him saying, I think I've got the tool for that. Like they yeah. established this pretty early on. And Phil Hartman he, what his nickname is the Sultan of Smarm. Yeah. There is really yeah. nothing more yeah. smarmy than the guy who's trying to horn it on your wife. Yeah, and it's like, this is a man who's playing a dangerous game. We've seen <laughs> Arnold in how many movies and what he can do to other humans, and this guy is getting really, really creepy and pushy with Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. And Arnold's, you know, Howard responds essentially of like these backhanded comments, a little bit of like kind of like muttering to himself, and what kind of struck me as funny about that dynamic is that it would be so 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 easy to be like oh yeah i'm gonna beat you up but they don't do it they keep doing this whole like "Ooh, i've got to be nice to you but at the same time it's also weirdly suburban too to be like i don't like this person well suburban passive aggression is sort of yes. part of his part of his character right yeah. yeah it's there is this element of it where it almost feels like he's being bullied by this guy who yeah. he's kind of he speaks under his breath where he's just like oh hey i would make sure to put some chains on your tires and he's like i should put chains around you <laughs> and he's like what was that oh it's fine well, it's <laughs> like you, you can't you can't go directly against someone being nice to you yeah and that's the whole thing is like i 
I would love to hold this movie up, too, as textbook for all of those people who want to know what the nice guy trope really is, to be like, no, seriously, watch this guy in Jingle All the Way. And I I can probably point to a few a dozen people in my life that have experienced this person in oh. their own life that does the I'm friendly, I'm nice, I'm harmless sort well, of thing. Fix your screen door, but there's yeah. kind of an expectation of reciprocation down the line. Yeah, it gets so creepy. Yeah. Like when when it finally gets to that point in this movie in the car, oh. I found myself rewatching this movie again as an adult and like consciously paying attention to Phil Hartman <laughs> and just going Oh my God. Like, again, this is a family movie. This has gone pretty far. Yeah. Pretty darn far for a children's movie, especially for that being a B plot. Like, they resolved that better than they do Arnold's character. Right. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't right. have Arnold run to the rescue. They yeah. basically have her bash Phil Hartman in the face with a thermos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, enough that it bends his glasses. And then it still, it still has that weird family movie flavor, too, to where it's like, I just did something like beyond creepy and predatory, but like they have that last shot with the crooked glasses and the, well, that didn't go as well as i hoped yeah and then you know like cue laugh track kind of thing um but i found myself as an adult looking at that going like i don't remember feeling this skeezed like and he still lives next door neighbor you know he's still there yeah which means she has to deal with him (laughs) and he's still there you know hitting on all the the neighbor ladies doing that thing it just doesn't work with her yeah Oh God, yeah. Phil Phil Hartman is a bit of a creep in this movie, but he does it so well. Yeah, he does. I, that I is love his superpower. Role, He's yeah. got the yeah. the Troy McClure voice is definitely a part of it, and he knows how to lay it on really thick. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing is, like I said before, this isn't really a a Christmas movie that Arnold is injected into. This is a movie that really kind of goes all in on Arnold, which is injections of the two things that we know Arnold kind of specializes in: uh, violence and catchphrases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when he's on the phone with uh, Phil Hartman and Phil Hartman is in his house talking about how his wife is in the shower and I'm eating. Want me to go check? Eating yeah. your wife's, yeah, no! And, uh, yeah, Put he, that cookie down! Yeah, he says it with the same tone that he says, get to the chopper! God. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, they make a catchphrase out of it. The movie is like, yeah, this is an Arnold Christmas movie and he's gotta yell something at somebody. And he, the way he delivers, put the cookie down is wonderful. <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, a lot of movies forget to do that, and there's also fight scenes in this. Yeah, so this is the this is the part that I find is interesting is that if you would misuse Arnold, you would put him in a movie where if he had to do some kind of violence, it would be not it would be after the fact or it would be in defense. But there's the plot where our old friend Jim Belushi shows up as a mall Santa who wants to sell him like a bootleg toy and brings them back to their warehouse full of, it's basically Santa's black market warehouse. These criminals are so dedicated (laughs) to this gimmick that they have that I wouldn't be surprised if they just came in from Gotham City. (laughs) I'm I'm impressed that they found somebody that like, I know Arnold isn't very tall, but that they were capable of finding somebody that was like the mountain to have this whole like action sequence thing with him. You know who that is? That is the big show from the WWE. (gasps) 
pro wrestler. <gasps> yeah. So we got okay. both him and Vern Troyer in the same scene <laughs> together with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's contrast. That's contrast, everyone. No, but I mean, he. They, yeah, he's a man mountain. They, they decided <laughs> at this point to put him in danger, right? He's in danger and he, he gets upset because they try to sell him a black market toy and he's like, I want my money back. And they're like, no, I'm not going to give it. And so they allow Arnold to have an Arnold Schwarzenegger fight scene completely free of consequences, right? And so he takes on like probably 30 or 40 Santas <laughs> by himself in this movie. And it, there's like, it's not like, you know, they're all going to, it's Looney Tunes, right? So yeah. it's fine. And one of them even has candy cane nunchucks. Yeah. I just yeah. want to say that the inclusion of nunchucks in any movie always gives it at least an extra half letter grade. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. The dedication to the gimmick. These guys are in their private warehouse and that even the password to get into the warehouse was at Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. And the knock was just Jingle Bells, I think, <laughs> yeah. too. And like, and they're so committed to also apparently maybe practicing their musical skills on this. I love the bit where it wasn't sufficient to sing a few bars of like little boy that Santa Claus forgot. They just break away from the movie to make sure that they have this whole barbershop quartet or <laughs> we're like, what would it be like? Some, not a quartet for sure. I mean, it's like whatever it would be in dozens worth of Santas all perfectly pitched together singing this beautiful song <laughs> and even the the Vern Troyer character is is dressed like a little Santa and he's reading a porno mag that's called mischief yeah. <laughs> or it's even Christmas themed girly mags this is a level of commitment that I mean these guys are gonna get caught you see that many Santas going in and out of an abandoned warehouse <laughs> something is fucking why up. even bother with the secret you know the the secret at the door of Gosh, password, that's a word. Yep. Why even bother when you have that many Santas? Yeah, it's just, it's so bizarre. Is he dressed like a Santa? You can come on in. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. How many undercover fake Santa cops are in? (laughs) But there's like a police raid. Yes. And what is it, the the one elf guy who I know him from Seinfeld, I think he was also in... um, He was in the Watchmen movie? He was in the Watchmen movie. He was also in one movie that I love and no one else loves, Death to Smoochie. Oh, Oh, yeah. And uh, but yeah, he when he's the cops bust in, he goes, "It's the Grinch, scatter." <laughs> Which is, I mean, Grinch. even it's just everything is Christmas themed. But yeah, I what I I enjoy about this movie though is that it's it's totally weird, but it just kind of commits to this crazed kind of Looney Tune manic action where. The worst that can happen to somebody is that they're too close to an explosion and they're covered in soot. Yeah. 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 Well, can we, so can we talk about this? So the one of the through lines, the running gags of the movie is Arnold running afoul of a particular police officer. Not the law. He doesn't have the entire Minnesota Twin Cities Police Department, by the way. I guess they just, they just Minnesota St. Paul are, are like glued into one force. <laughs> they're one location for this movie. But he gets a ticket from this guy and this guy, this police officer keeps uh, sort of uh, tagging him through the entire way, right? And they follow him to a radio station because this is one thing they hear. They have a Turbo Man doll and Sinbad's character pretends to have a mail bomb, which is is part of the postal worker thing. Uh, uh, But then again, 
not a plot you can lightly get away with in a family movie of yeah. someone threatening someone with an <laughs> improvised explosive device. You know, like you just Twice. can't do it. Twice. Twice. That's Twice. right. And, and he uh, even says, you know I'm I'm unstable because I'm a post office worker. <laughs> yes. And when the cops have him surrounded with drawn guns. <laughs> but again, I mean, people forget that there was a moment in the 90s where postal workers were just fucking overworked and underappreciated to the point that some of them snapped and shot up their workplace. <laughs> I mean, that is, it's crazy. The fa- the, if it's just this crazy place we were in to the point that it was like Prozac jokes and the Macarena as just a thing about the nineties. <laughs> it was, it was so weird because that trope is all over this movie. The sort of idea that if you were from the post office, that there's maybe something a little unstable about you. And it's something I haven't seen in movies in such a long time now. <laughs> uh, and and call-in radio contests. That, of course, oh dates it God. as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Martin Mull plays the... Uh, plays the the ponytailed radio dj who's perfect i think there's one of the my one of my laugh out loud there are a few laugh out loud moments but one of them is that arnold wants to get in and he's the first one there he wants to he doesn't he can't call in because they've like ripped the phone cord out of the phone booth and so he runs in the and poor he, restaurant he, owner by the way oh my gosh he, yeah he's doing a good thing for a couple guys he opens the door and he opens the door and it's made out of glass and it just smashes is it <laughs> and it was perfect comic timing and it's martin <laughs> of course who can just like he can sell being terrified and funny at the same time actually there's two moles in this movie isn't there yeah richard mole we we haven't talked at all about turbo man i think that turbo man as a as a property that exists for the show it is the tickle me elmo of this universe Mm -hmm. it seems to be this multimedia just juggernaut that we see uh turbo man pajamas serial turbo man the motion picture uh turbo man comic books um everything turbo man and it seems to be based around a uh live action televised superhero show about a guy with a jetpack and his talking pink saber-toothed tiger named booster <laughs> it's so power rangers it is it's yeah so yeah. power rangers with a lot of like multicolored outfits and like choreographed fighting it's very american but it's just there's such a Japanese influence because of the Power Rangers um, inspiration, which is all over it. But yeah, he's like a rocket man where he looks a little bit like uh, DC Comics' Adam Strange because he (laughs) has the the fin on his head and a jetpack. But he has the kind of Tim Burton rubber muscle suit Mm -hmm. that we're so used to seeing in these movies from the time. And I have so much affection for the opening moments of this movie with the TV show of Turbo Man rescuing the president and the first lady (laughs) and a little kid named Billy from Dementor, the guy with the exposed brain played by Richard Mull, you mentioned of Night Court. (laughs) That cameo by Richard Mull, and by the way, the president is Harvey Corman and the first lady is Lorraine Newman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just great little just cameos. That whole that whole um I forget what the name of it. It's not Haystack Rock, is it? Not Haystack Rock. That's in Astoria, Oregon. It's the uh the place where the oh, Kirk is Vasquez. always Vasquez rocks. Yeah. That whole sickness, like it's of course it's a nod to every <laughs> cheap TV show that wants to film in the desert. It's Vasquez rocks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I have so much warm feelings for the Turbo Man stuff in this. Just how the movie commits to creating Turbo Man merch to really kind of build the idea that Turbo Man is everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> and you can tell by that cleft chin in that toy exactly where this plot is going. Oh yeah. God! And it is, and that's it's what true. I kind of love. 
have is that it, of course, like you mentioned, it's going right towards a showdown with Arnold and Sinbad in the costumes Mm -hmm. at the parade of Arnold as Turbo Man and uh, Sinbad as Dementor. And we're fine with throwing a complete stand-in into a jetpack that apparently has no limit to its fuel. (laughs) And it's claimed a life already. Yeah, claimed a life. Oh, well, no, no, no. The good news was that they showed signs of brain activity. (laughs) So... Uh, we hear that's a good sign of both those it's, thumbs. It's such a strange thing because yeah. we've all seen Rocket uh, Rocketeer. We yes. know it's dangerous. It's dangerous to have a jetpack. <laughs> a real jetpack. I mean, all of his weapons seem to be fully operational. So yes. if Arnold was to keep this suit, he could operate in real life fighting crime as Turbo Man <laughs> with his operating boomerang and the discs that shoot out of his wrists. I wonder if there's an active uh, jingle all the way fandom au wherein he keeps the suit and their lives are changed forever no oh. longer a humble mattress salesman <laughs> <laughs> he's he is turbo man God. and he, it's also an excuse to have arnold to say it's turbo time oh, turbo time <laughs> turbo. oh god Oh, yeah, I just, that's what's so insane about this is that there is some version before, of course, um, the character of Myron, you know, Sinbad steals the outfit from the bad guy actor. Dementor. Dementor. Um, (laughs) That's a great name. That there was going to be essentially in the middle of a parade in the Twin Cities. This isn't the New York version. This isn't the LA version of this parade. This is the Twin Cities, Minnesota version of this parade that has an operating jetpack and is like a full-on Universal Studios stunt show. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like... Who the hell has a budget like this? I mean, you imagine how much money that uh, Turbo Man is making that it can afford to do this kind of promotion. Yeah, that parade looked lit. I mean, yeah. just in general, it's like they they have these massive floats and everything. And I, I have to admit, like, I, I never grew up in the Midwest. I've taken one trip ever to Minnesota to watch a friend graduate. And I, uh, maybe this is California talking here, but I... I would not have anticipated that degree of uh, investment or buy-in. No. Maybe I'm totally wrong here. Minnesota people, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you that's a better costume than in Turbo Man, the motion picture. Yeah. yeah. That is that is way better. Because, I mean, as a kid, you, you get to encounter a lot of live-action costumed versions of things that you love. And your brain knows it's not as good as the thing on TV when you see a costumed character. It's like, it only until recently have people really created full-on cosplay Spider-Man costumes that look like the character in the comic. There was always a certain amount of imagination that had to kind of meet the costume halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, that would always weirded me out at uh, at Disneyland that yeah. the, the Winnie the Pooh costume had the honeypot on his head. <laughs> yeah. That was just fucking weird. But it's obviously because he's short and the guy's looking out through the honeypot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was just it's a sort of strange thing that you just even as a kid you just kind of let it go you but sort this, of accept it just because of your enthusiasm yeah you're mm. so excited to meet you know like Tigger or Winnie the Pooh that you're just like oh my god <laughs> but this Turbo Man is just like they spared no expense I think you're just underestimating how prevalent mall culture was in the 90s as the center as the civic new civic center of uh, of life that uh what it, what's the biggest monument to malls ever? It's the Mall of America. It's the biggest mall. It's got a roller coaster inside the mall. That still to me is weird. Is that still roller coaster still going? Well, know. what kills me? I was reading an article because I I have hobbies. 
outside of this. <laughs> uh, I was reading an article about dead malls and these different photographers and artists who basically just go around the United States trying to capture this particular moment in decay um, to see what it says about our current time. And I seem to recall reading something in there about Mall of America talking about or going into hard times a little bit too. And when the biggest of the big is having trouble keeping people leasing space yeah it's kind of it's kind of fascinating to me i mean amazon has nuked them <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a different world now my sister uh worked at target for a really long time and she worked at both a store that was separate and a store that was attached to a mall mm-hmm. working when you have an entrance attached to a mall, apparently is a totally different experience. You get a lot of foot traffic that really doesn't translate to sales because people are just killing time and people just trash your store and don't really seem to sort of care. And it just, you also have these limitations on your operating hours for being attached to a mall. Rent is really high because they, I guess you're kind of being given access to all this traffic and, um, it just seems like, especially now where retail is struggling, that there's no way a mall would be able to kind of coexist in that way, that the rent is probably insane. The limitations are crazy. You better hope you have your own entrance. That's and then good. anchor stores are closing down. Yeah. One of the bigger yep. things, too, where yep. like the big department stores are starting to close down, like large scale locations like that in favor of like strip malls. Yeah. Because the rent is so much lower. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a, it's such a different world so that when you look at a movie that's made in 1996 like this and you see like the twister type machine going in the background, I'm like, this is like a different age. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's th- this place is crowded in a way that I have haven't seen a real mall be crowded in a very long time. Well, even the idea that while we still have the madness of like Black Friday and things like that around Christmas these times, like it really doesn't feel like people are as obligated to go shopping for Christmas as anything other than cultural ritual. Mm -hmm. Because really, you have tons of outs to where you don't have to brave crowds. You don't have to do anything like that. And the retail environment just has to be more strange and curious and creative about it but i feel like you don't see the the huge scale of like decor and things like that that they used to do in the huge animatronic displays music and the production value has definitely gone down because i mean i'm sure the budget has gone down yeah the um did you guys ever work a retail christmas nope i hmm, i wonder do you consider working at a gas station retail no No, probably not never mind I did uh, Walden Books, and then I did a Blockbuster, but I quit right before Christmas Christmas because they put me on shift for literally every holiday till mm. you know through the end of the year and into the beginning of the next one. And I was in college. They tried to schedule me on my uh, on my final date. So I know it's it, this <laughs> is, yeah, I was this out. Is, <laughs> fuck you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Ugh. But here's a little trick for everyone, younger folks that may be listening. I don't know if it's easy to do this anymore because um, your your manager's a fucking scumbag. I don't know who they are, <laughs> but they probably are. Um, th- but they're a cog in a machine and they have little control over it, too. I mean, there is no... There is no ethical scheduling under capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there is this this idea that um, this worked for me when I wanted to get out of working for holidays, and you have to have a lot of lead time. Is the trick is to find, and I worked at a movie theater, so we were open on Christmas too. <sighs> so the way to get out of that, and I managed to work at a movie theater for two years without working Thanksgiving or Christmas, is months in advance. Um, what you do 
is tell them you can't work a certain day of the week and you know seven months in advance that that day of the week <laughs> is Christmas. Bingo. Get that holiday off, but don't just, if you openly say, I want to get that holiday off, you won't. You're just saying mm-hmm. Thursdays. I can't do Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. I can't do Thursdays. Yeah. yeah. And you have to do that really early. Um, it doesn't get you out of working the day before or after Thanksgiving, which, by the way, if you work at a movie theater, is a nightmare because <sighs> people just drop off all their kids and cousins and they can't drive. So after the movie pulls out, they all get out of the theater and they just stand there because they can't leave. <laughs> and the next crowd of people and kids is coming in. So it just, it becomes a f- clusterfuck. <laughs> but I can tell you about uh, the, the well, I worked a lot of retail Christmases. Um, I worked for Barnes and Noble for God, 12 years. I worked for Borders for two, three and a half at half price books. And there's this, feeling of working on Christmas Eve, which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, because there's a desperation there. And there's something about the holidays. And I think it goes into this movie, which is that it's supposed to be this time of, you know, reflection and appreciation and sort of good cheer. But it brings out the, the and I think this is all to do with the commercialism aspects of the holiday. Sure. It brings out the absolute worst in people. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's a desperation there, but there's also and again, Sinbad hashtag Sinbad ain't wrong. <laughs> um, you you have this tremendous pressure on you to perform. Mm-hmm. on these holidays and if you are found wanting in your ability to give a thoughtful gift oh, or to give a gift that you can afford um, by the way fuck you car commercials that show a giant bow in a car <laughs> who the fuck is that commercial for um, then you're like a bad person god they have that whole bit in the movie though where they're sitting there and having a brief moment of working class or supposedly working class solidarity at that diner the mm-hmm. little uh, cab car what, what do you right. call it? Yeah. Like, train car diner sort of thing and they're sitting there and they're talking and Sinbad tells this story about how he wants this excessively violent like nine piece gun <laughs> yeah. as a kid I don't remember what he I called it I think that's it. a gun that Arnold used in Predator <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes into like loving details detail about every aspect of the gun, how he remembers the commercial, all of that stuff, and um, and how his father didn't get it for him and how it messed him up. And then they have that weird uh, <laughs> kind of transition thing to where his son's sitting there in like the, the uh, postal cap and drinking out of the... I don't remember what kind of alcohol he's drinking and it just goes like, here's to you, dad. <laughs> and, and that weird pressure, if I can't let that happen to my child... He'll end up and like Sinbad. That's yeah. the that's the thing. Is no, that- I mean it was a weird thing because how does he frame it? He says, "I the neighbor's kid is now a billionaire, and he got that toy yeah, when he was." Yeah. And if you you know if your kid doesn't, then you end up like me. And I'm like, well, that it's such a weird message. It's such an insanely strange. Crazy maybe, message. Maybe I'm also living in 2019, but a job at the post office sounds fucking great. <laughs> I mean, I know some people who've worked different types of like public servant jobs like that. And if I remember right, I think they're unionized. They're they're, yeah, you okay. got a good union. You uh, get holidays off. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the post office, maybe, but you get a lot of the holidays off. And uh, you probably get paid remarkably well compared to other people. So, and, you know, maybe less so back then, you know, as you were saying, if 
working them to death kind of thing. Yeah, uh, there's a stress. I, they've got to have dealt with that by now. Obviously, there haven't been shootings in a while, and I don't want that to be the <laughs> metric that I use for. <laughs> Shouldn't for, uh, have to be. What is this like China? Where just, it's like okay, how full are the suicide nets? That's how we determine how bad things are. <laughs> it's just you know ah, uh, but yeah, I, there's <laughs> none of that. There's none of that in this. There's there's no moments of uh, people driven to suicide. There's only the stakes. What I find is interesting, the stakes, even in his imagination, are pretty low. Yeah. Right? The stakes are, I'll have a more distant relationship with my son. And like, like I said before, the worst fa- of, of the father moment that he gets is, I was a little stern with him on the phone when I was talking to him because I wanted to talk to his mom. And I'll be as a father myself, like... If I were to get upset and remain that level of calm, it would be a good day. <laughs> it would be like it wouldn't be like the it would not be like the worst day of the year that I remember and be like, gee, I really should reevaluate something. It would be like I was just a little bit upset. So I mean, First, looking at the the filmography of of this director, I mean, we're talking about Problem Child two, Beethoven. Um, there's a lot of put upon dads in this guy's filmography. <laughs> I I just want to circle back real quick though to that idea of consequence though, as yeah. far as like put upon dads and stuff and how different the pressures are for you know the two dads in this movie sinbad at the end of this movie is being led away yeah. with like uh you know in cuffs he's going to jail he's going to jail for a long time jamie goes to give him the toy how is that gonna matter <laughs> yeah. if he gets even if the kid gets the toy this guy is going to jail for yeah. christmas <laughs> they never resolve that yeah no. not just the situation at the parade but a terrorist threat that he made yeah. earlier he's going to jail for a long time i don't <laughs> yes. think the kid i mean maybe the kid will be excited about the toy so talking about kids with permanent damage i mean maybe every time he looks at this toy it's, this is the image of the man that caused my dad to go to jail <laughs> yes. you know i mean that's intense and they never let him off the hook no no he's going to prison well they let him yeah. smile at the end i think i think the the important part is that for a kid who doesn't understand the implications of the in, the criminal justice system yeah. and the racism inherent in it i think as long as he's smiled and smiling and thankful at the end in the logic of this movie it's okay and he'll have a good parole officer or well, something. he's like this right. is gonna make my son very happy yeah. and i'm like not as, not as happy as phone calls where they're like, he goes, you are speaking to, to, to an inmate at a Minnesota correctional facility every yeah. 30 seconds or so. It's, you know, that is, that's messed up. When you think about, he's definitely losing his postal worker job. That's mm-hmm. gone. Um, he's going to prison because not only did he threaten to blow up a radio station, but that bomb turned out to be real, even if he intended to bluff. And he was willing to let that kid die yeah. when they were hanging yes. off that to reach the doll. So, I mean, I'm not saying that we he should... apologized for all trying to kill the kid though he was like yeah. i'm sorry that we we got was it he's sorry that a we got a little tense a little tense, tense there. there yeah which is i was willing to sacrifice your life to get this doll. he assaulted the actor playing the mentor yeah enough to knock him out so that he could remove a costume from a prone person oh my gosh you have to you have to be pretty badly beaten up yeah he, he conked him pretty good and uh yeah there's this is not going to end well for him i find it interesting that like a couple of different things in this movie to where like something excessively bad happens to a person but they'll throw in these weird little kernels of like no i promise it's justified like the retail worker at the toy store getting trampled over by all those people for the audacity 
of making them wait until opening time. <laughs> oh, God. Making them wait until it was time to open the store. And that totally justifies him being trampled by a bunch of people or the, you know, oh, these guys laughed at Arnold due to his lack of planning. And then he just gets physically aggressive with them. <laughs> and you said this before. Assault. Christmas is the same time every year. Yeah. It's Everyone, not like it's a shocker. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have time. And literally, I mean, this doll has been a- available for sale, at least according to Phil Hartman, for months, months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no excuse. It's kind of weird <laughs> if it's months ago that the kid doesn't already have one. Yeah. It's it, bizarre that like we don't that this is a situation where we're supposed to be feeling bad for Howard. And I keep watching this going like, I mean, if you weren't Arnold, I wouldn't care. Yeah. About your you are situation. a bad yeah. person. So, so th- let's just talk about this because obviously Arnold elevates this movie in a way that other actors wouldn't. Um, the scuttlebutt was that this movie was originally going to be Joe Pesci. Was it Joe Pesci? Yes. Oh my and, God. And Joe Pesci in a Turbo Man costume? How, how much wow. different of a story would it be as Joe Pesci as the put upon father who's racing at the last minute to get the toy for his kid? I can imagine it because of Home Alone. I I can imagine the sort of heightened realism, goofy, sort of Looney Tunes style story like like this is. But to be honest, you just don't you don't give Joe Pesci the same license that you do Arnold. Also, I've seen Joe. The kind of violence that Joe Pesci does to people in movies (laughs) is a different kind of violence than what Arnold does. It's sinister. It's sinister. Joe Pesci stomps people to death in some movies. Yeah. Um, He's like. It's like you watch Goodfellas and you're like, uh, it's not funny when this guy comes at <laughs> no. you. He really would bite off Kevin McAllister's fingers. <laughs> I believe yes. it. And um, yeah, there's an element there where it's just it's kind of hard to separate him from like there's a there's a kind of stakes where you're like, oh man, he's serious. Oh, man, he's gonna kill them <laughs> um, with Joe Pesci. I was watching this thinking like, who could this movie have been in the script phase? That who could have been cast? And I'm thinking like, oh okay, I could see Steve Martin or a Chevy Chase. Dad. Dad, yeah. or an Eddie Murphy dad, where it's it's kind of a, on its face, kind of a typical holiday story where a sort of stuck in the stick in the mud kind of suburban dad teams up with kind of a blue collar, lovable weirdo and get dragged along on an adventure. I mean, this is not only like Finding Nemo, but it's also <laughs> like, like uh, planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so I could see that kind of movie. None of those people would have had certain scenes in this movie like Turbo Man. Yeah. The toy would have been changed if sure. it was a Joe Pesci movie, unless it's like a Mario doll. Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to imagine what that action figure would look like, and I don't I don't know that I could call up something that would say, yes, thousands of children across this country are like scrambling for this like penguin-esque person (laughs) oh my god i mean no offense i love joe pesci it just i i have a hard time conceptualizing that image at all yeah 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 it's it's a it's a weird thing that's what i mean about this being such an arnold movie that the script either was written for arnold or it was heavily modified to accommodate arnold because the the superhero moments at the end where he's in full costume using a jetpack, uh, fighting a room full of Santas, um, that is Arnold stuff. And yeah. like, there's a bit, too, when Arnold is really in deep shit with his wife when he's been caught breaking into a neighbor's house. And what kind of 
life did Howard have before this? I mean, he had some skills breaking into that house. <laughs> yeah, he got in there with Former like, Navy SEAL, right? Now, that could have been okay for Joe Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Pesci, I believe, has the way, ability to break into a house. We've seen it. Um, but yeah, there's like that and um, a lot of... The, like. Arnold Schwarzenegger punches out a reindeer with a single blow in this movie. <laughs> That's something Joe and Pesci wouldn't do. And gets drunk. Let's yeah, be yeah, fair. Yeah. That, this, <laughs> is, this is not like him punching the camel in Conan, even Conan the Barbarian, even though this might be an homage to that because at the end he does offer him beers. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, uh, the, he seems, the reindeer seems fine. They're, they're buddies now. They've had their moment of violence. It's, it's like... Um, it's like uh, they live. They fought and now they're friends. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, it's 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 strange though because Arnold is in trouble for very clearly committing a felony and also breaking that guy's window with a flaming uh, wise man head. Yeah, <laughs> and got caught doing it. Balthazar. Balthazar. That that is actually my favorite joke of the whole Balthazar. movie. Balthazar. Uh, out of out of Phil Hartman's mouth. And uh, there's this bit where Phil Hartman who rather than being really upset and calling the cops in this moment, really sees his in with Arnold's wife. <laughs> and he gets a parting shot when he leaves and he looks at Arnold and says, you're not going to bench press your way out of this one. <laughs> and it was a sudden realization that the movie is acknowledging that this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Right. Where there's no acknowledgement of his accent or anything. The most part, we kind of treat him like a larger dad. I think that might be the only time in this movie that they ever acknowledge that he's a abnormally huge guy. Yeah, it's yeah. right. It's, yeah, it's not something that comes up a lot, except for the weird feats of strength he gets sometimes. You know, it kind of kills me about that. I was thinking about watching this as they have him in this massive wool coat for most of the film, which like, congratulations, costume department. That was a that was a top notch choice because without it, there's this weird like plausible deniability thing going on as to how jacked Arnold is. Mm -hmm. But then they put him in the Turbo Man costume and his wife, who I can imagine at least once has seen him naked. I mean, <laughs> just throwing that out there, yeah. maybe at least once, or maybe Phil Hartman was more successful than we thought <laughs> because she goes, Howard. And I'm just like, is this news to you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How is this news to you? <laughs> She's like, he probably works really hard on that physique. He Lifting doesn't need a mattresses. plastic shell. Yes. Yeah, he just mattresses on <laughs> yes. both sides. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is strange. Now. The more I'm, you, I think you broke my brain. <laughs> They play it as if like she she is just like, oh, I've never seen this side of you. And I'm like, how could you not? A kid exists. I mean, so. he's, he's gone a lot. But listen, I didn't listen, it was all much. through the hole in the sheet. That's the way it happens. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yes. Well, uh, what I got to say about this is it, it is really strange. I don't know what it is. I haven't seen very many movies where Rita Wilson is in it, but I, it is, I cannot break the, re I can't, it, the disbelief is not broken for me is because I always just think, why is Tom Hanks not here? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because he's so lovable and tongue, you know, it's like Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson belong together forever. The every scene, especially when she's like in her nightgown or something, I'm like, this is wrong. Yeah. Someone should call Tom and tell yeah. him to come here. This Has, is wrong. Does it, does anybody know where he is? Does he know about this? <laughs> oh my God. You, you can't pull one over on like America's fun uncle. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The one person in America that we've never found anything bad about. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. No, we're not going to find his secret Nazi basement. He's both Walt Disney and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> like, just, please let there be nothing. No, God. I can't handle that. And then all we would have is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, man. So with that, um, I guess we're getting to the two big questions that we ask every episode. The first one, is Jingle All the Way a good movie? Mm. As as previously mentioned, as far as there being a separate bar when it comes to Christmas movies, it's like leave your expectations and your standards along with the cookies and milk. Yeah. You know, it's you don't get to use them when it comes to Christmas movies is my personal stance. But that's coming from an emotional place of this weird connective purpose toward mm-hmm. Christmas movies and how we always give more leeway to anything that's tradition, whether or not it's valuable, relevant or in any way qualitatively good or racist yes yeah. straight up god i i don't know that i can answer that question by normal uh rubric because it decidedly is not a good movie yeah cinematically it's weird it's an entertaining movie in some regards but it's also an agonizing slog yeah mm. to watch as any kind of adult i mean they try <laughs> to throw those fun little things in there but it's it's an agonizing greed fest yeah it i felt stressed watching the movie i still feel stressed even though i know how like works out every time i go to watch it how on earth would i decide that <laughs> Yeah. As far as a, I mean, I think you're right. There's no the, in Christmas movies, it's like it almost is this the separate segmentation of lifetime movies, which I know yes. there's even probably an even more segmentation of lifetime Christmas movies mm. where you judge it by different merits because you know that it's not a regular type of movie. You can never put this. You can't even put this side by side with twins. Because mm-hmm. Twins is not a Christmas movie, and so therefore it's not judged on the throwaway, we're going to see this movie, We're all of our family's going to see this movie on Christmas Eve because we don't have anything else to do, and yeah. we're all wanting to d- disavow ourselves of all the ugliness of the world. Um, it is stupid. It's silly and stupid. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it often retreats into what basically is Looney Tunes. Like there's a there's a shot where him as Turbo Man in the jetpack is sort of flying up towards the camera and then flying down in the spiral. And it looks just like Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. So he is essentially is Wile E. Coyote for a certain part of this movie. Um, it is. It's just dumb. And I think the I think the part that's the most agonizing is that. They have to move the Howard Lanks, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character through this emotional toil of feeling like, oh, I'm going to fail my son. And that part's that's really hard to watch. What's easy to watch is like the action scene stuff where he's like being bombarded by a crowd at the toy store or whatever. Like that's that stuff is fun and ridiculous and you like it. But half of the movie is him developing this guilt for this character that you just, you know, is bogus and stupid. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, can we get over this and get to the funny Arnold stuff? Yeah. So I I have to say that's not a good movie and it may be a middling Christmas movie. I can't argue with anything that's been said at all. Um, I can't say objectively this is a good movie, but I have this weird affection for this movie. Same. That, yeah, I can't. I can't be objective about this movie because this you have uh, childhood memories of this. This was a movie that came out while I was working at a movie theater between 96 and, and oh. 
oh. in like 98. So this was my high school job movie. Um, <laughs> and, and I didn't see this movie until two days ago. So yeah. that's oh, the, wow. there's the difference. So you're divorced from nostalgia. Yeah. Um, with this one, I... It, I th- it is the only one of the Arnold movies that's on the wall of our studio, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a movie that I just have so much weird affection for because it's so fucking strange. It's tonally weird. It never really decides how serious it wants to be or how seriously I'm supposed to take this situation. Um, but there's one thing in the movie that works completely. And I think it must've been an ad libbed line because it's not especially clever, but I had to rewind it three times. And there's a part (laughs) of the movie when, uh, when Dementor, as played by uh, Sinbad, has attacked the parade with his grapple gun and zip line. Oh my god, I know what you're going to say. And, <laughs> oh, I, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a part you know because it's oh, okay. weird. It, it never appear on like an IMDb quotes page, but it's this part where he grab he's chasing Jake Lloyd through the parade, and there are these various costumed characters in the parade, and yes. there's like a the Tick and Sonic the Hedgehog and a Ninja Turtle and and the cat in the hat and stuff and then there's also these people that are dressed like presents yes. and they're like these oversized boxes yes. these kind of costumes like the Kool-Aid man uh, where you're I just a it. giant unwieldy uh. object with your legs sticking out at the bottom and he's just a present and Sinbad just body checks him and just says get out of my way box <laughs> And I God, laughed so fucking yeah, hard. There's no standards. There's none. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's something that somebody would say. And I love that the guy is just straight up knocked down. He can't get back up. And it also has a personal connection to me because of a story my sister told me. She said she went to uh, Enchanted, Village, Enchanted Village Wild Waves, which is sort of a local amusement park before I think uh, Six Flags bought it probably about 15 years ago. And it was kind of an amusement park with roller coasters and stuff. And there would be some costume characters there. And one of them was in the costume similar to that with like a big unwieldy thing and with legs sticking out the bottom. And my sister, I think she must've been 13 or so when she told me about this. Um, she thought it was the thing on a spring, like that Grimace thing at the, oh, the McDonald's no. Playland. Yeah. No. So she pushed it, shoved it real hard. It would bounce. And she shoved it again. <laughs> and then it fell over in mid falling over and went, Hey! <laughs> and my sister just booked it. And she felt so bad. <laughs> and I just I think of that and just get out of my way, box. <laughs> <laughs> He's just God. that poor motherfucker in that costume. <laughs> it's like the you you picked your costume last, or you got picked last, and it's just like, yeah, I gotta be the thing that can't control my own weight, and I gotta have perfect balance and hope children don't knock me down. Uh, I I do have to throw a thought in here, like peeking over, um, as as far as like moments and things in this movie. If you don't make the image of Arnold lovingly caressing the action figure once he gets it, the episode image, I will riot. I will riot. Okay. It's it's not even holding it like Indiana Jones holds like that golden head. It's more like him holding a baby. He's, he's like he's like holding it. an infant. It's the body of Christ. He is snuggling it because that I think that's what elevates this film among Christmas films. It's it has deep metaphors, you know, in it about finding your true self and embracing 
your opportunities for life through capitalism. <laughs> and the fact that he's dressed like the thing that he's holding that way. Yes, there <laughs> it is. It's a beautiful The mirror moment. stares into its own face. <laughs> it's deep stuff, you know? <laughs> so I guess that gets us to our second question. Is Jingle All the Way a good Arnold movie? Ooh, that's a hard one to tackle. I'd say they give him the opportunities to do violence with the smile in his eyes. There is actually a, a point, I think, in the Santa warehouse where he realizes he's going to have to fight and then he's enjoying it. It's not like he is getting the shit kicked out of him and he can sort of hold his own. No, no, no. He realizes he's he's better matched than anyone except for maybe Big Show yeah. in this entire thing. And he's having the time of his life. So there's a part of that that I, I've got to give that. And also just making him silly and goofy and over the top. And I, it, this... It doesn't have, there are no kills. Obviously, there's there's going to be no kills in this movie. But he is charming, and he also gets to kick ass. And he has the, put the cookie down. You know, he gets to he gets to be angry in the way you want Arnold to be. I It it is an Arnold movie. Yeah. In, and I, Joe Pesci couldn't have done this. It had to have Arnold's sort of specialty sprinkled all over it to make it what it is. I, as previously you know mentioned there i cannot conceive of another actor for this movie i i can't i i did the whole like well you know what about michael keaton can do the kind of family <laughs> things or you know ah, well i don't know if he could sell the action thing as well even though he's batman you know bruce willis can't do this even though he did fifth element which is kind of fun and comedic but i i feel like as far as arnold movies go it's really easy for us to occasionally forget that he's just straight up fun to watch. Yeah. You know, yeah. That given all these other like clamshell VHS choices for Christmas, as far as it goes, I'd have way more fun watching him than I would most of those other movies. That's you know? true. And yeah. I, I think for me, at least like it's, it's up there in Arnold movies that I can watch and know that I can enjoy him. In yeah. It. Hmm. Even for all the movie's flaws, I think he does pretty darn good with what he's got. Yeah, there's a lot of I'm going to say again of myself, absolutely. I agree that there's a lot of his personality in this movie. Um, he has a lot of good uh, facial acting, like, yeah. ver you know, non-verbally when he's are hanging around Sinbad, little bits of annoyance where Sinbad's <laughs> like, hey, and he's like, Ugh. I mean, just little like, <laughs> it looks on his face or he twitches a little bit or he has, and I've said this before, but Arnold has the most believable smile of almost any actor that I have ever mm -hmm. seen mm -hmm. because his face lights up and you saw, you said it before in the middle of that fight scene. I mean, this is not a dark depressing sad you don't know if he's going to die fight scene that's not like old boy this is, <laughs> this is a guy who is fighting a room full of people like he's fucking Popeye <laughs> and he's swinging a candy cane um, the joy when he holds up the Turbo Man action figure and for me he punches out a reindeer with a single blow that yeah. this reindeer who did not like him early in the movie, I just assume this reindeer hates Austrians, um, breaks through Ted's door and full on charges at him. We get a, a sort of a zooming close up of Arnold with his like, it's like full on total recall face. Yeah. And he goes, you picked the wrong oh, day. <laughs> and he just knocks that reindeer the fuck out. It's like a star punch. And it, and the reindeer falls in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> 
and, and it's like that is something you wouldn't see with anyone else. It's like this movie knows it's absurd to see Arnold in this position, and Arnold is totally game. He is not afraid of looking silly. He's totally goes with anything they give to him. There's no insecurity about anything that he's doing, and he has fun, and mm-hmm. it lets you have fun with yeah, it. Agreed. And for a movie that's not good, it's pretty fucking great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kit, I want to thank you again for being on this show. Kit DeForge, are you have any projects or anything that you're working on? Anything you want to share? Oh, gosh, I'm just thinking about going on vacation tomorrow and chasing my sister's kids. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Yay. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, any projects are pretty much related to work. So, <laughs> All right. So at your local library. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Find me if you want to check out this movie, because I did, in fact, check it out from my local library. Nice. Yay. So. <laughs> and a special thank you to our episode sponsors. Again, we have 12 of them. That is fucking incredible. That's also great. So a special thank you to Larry Brunswick, Margaret King, Tim Batson, Zuri Russell, Sterling Taylor, Tom the Belgian, Gus Lindgren, Mike Seibert, Jem Newman, Sinjin, David Gutierrez, and Calzone. Thank you guys for supporting us. And if you want to become an episode sponsor, if you want to have your name on that wonderful list of amazing people, please check us out on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash radio versus the Martians, or check us out on our website at podcastalavistababy.com. There's a big red button on the right side of the page or on the bottom of the page if you're looking at it on your phone. So check it out and we'll catch you all next month. Podcast de la Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. Hi, I... Ted? Howard! Hey, buddy! How's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Ted, I need to speak to Liz. Uh, could you get... Mm. Oh! Howard, excuse me, but your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? I'm just helping Liz out a little in the kitchen. She's making up a storm here. Ted, I need to speak to my wife. So could you get her on the phone, please? I think she's in the shower, Howard. Do you want me to go check? No! I mean, no, that's fine. On your way out, just tell her it would be a few minutes late, but you shouldn't worry. Oh, she won't worry. I mean, I'm here and... Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Les. Put that cookie down! Now!